my stomach stomach was growling again. What is up? I totally just forgot what word you told me to. Sensational. What is up, sensational strangers? We are off to just a great start. I was waiting (laughs) for my stomach to gurgle again. I forgot the word crystal. As if that happens. (laughs) Yeah, that's the McDonald's I had. What is up, strangers? Welcome to another episode of the Strange Sessions. I am Kurt. And with me way far across the table today <laughs> is my co-host, Krista. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Krista. So far away. Uh, tell them why we did the uh, table switch. Yeah, so I went on a long, painful hike <laughs> earlier this week <laughs> with some girlfriends. And turns out I may have been exposed to COVID. So Don't. we're just being safe because I can't really safely or accurately test until Monday. And so Kurt and I are like eight feet apart. Yeah, we were usually closer together in the middle yeah. of the table. So we turn the table and now we're way on the opposite end. So it's weird looking way across the room mm-hmm. at her. Hey, Krista. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like I probably am good, but I don't want to risk giving it to you again. I've never had it that I'm aware of. But when I had it, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever had, but it sucked not being able to taste anything. Mm. And I figure if I get it now, not, not that I hate Skype episodes, but I kind of like saving those for winter when I, if it's mm-hmm. like a chance of snow doing a Skype episode, I just prefer to do it here in person because I'm going to do taste tests and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have any, oh, I want to give shout outs. We have one new listener since the last one. Our listener... Our new listeners has dwindled. Way, but way down. I added us to Pandora and oh, yeah. I think Samsung podcasts. Okay, sweet. So our new list, incoming listeners have dwindled. Amazon so... wasn't it? Amazon. Oh yeah, Amazon. Well, I submitted Amazon, but okay. I didn't hear back from them yet. So sweet. I want to give a shout out to our one new listener, and that is Sam Mindy. What's and up, I, Sam? I think Sam is the one that said a friend of theirs always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was how they found us. Yeah, that was how they found that us. That they've been recommending us for a yeah, while. Okay. Which is awesome. So, cool. Sam, thank you so much for joining the strangers. Oh, and hey, if you're new and you don't want to sit through all of this, just check the show notes. Kurt will post the timestamp of when the actual topic starts. Oh, and I dinged my thing here. <laughs> <laughs> we often ding things. So. We often do. You might often. want to stick around for that. It's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, housekeeping? Uh, I don't think I have You think this is the first time we ever did a podcast, but I feel like we're (laughs) all- Every time feels like the first time. here. Mm, I think it's the change of scenery. It's so funny that I- uh, I kind of like the view, though. I can see like Yeah, this is actually cool. You can see both walls. So maybe we will end up keeping this. Yeah, I kind of like it. It's so weird when like I I was messaging back and forth with Logan. We love you, Logan. Yeah, we love you, Logan. And she said that, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she's on like her- I don't know, second, third time, like listening to all the episodes. Like when she gets done, she just goes back and listens to old episodes. And it's so weird to me that people listen to our episodes over and over and over. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree. But it's awesome. Because I've never, wave, I'm taking a short video. I've never done that with a podcast where I go back and listen to like I've old episodes. I've done it with the Sofa King podcast a couple times. But for the most part, no. Once I listen to a podcast, I generally don't. But I love that like Same. she listens multiple times and a yeah. lot of our listeners a lot listen of people do that multiple times and i feel like we never do anything new or say anything new you know what like you the mean? more like i don't know i just feel like somebody that listens to ours all the time like knows me intimately because i always <laughs> talk about the same stuff yeah you know like weather <laughs> yeah like weather like you, you could be in like the other side of the world and you know exactly what the weather is like in manitowoc and sheboygan <laughs> because we talk about it all the time mm-hmm. uh do we have any housekeeping i don't think i do 
No. We got a lot of good feedback on the smiley face. Good, yeah. Uh, a lot two of good episodes theories. or two episodes. Yeah, people love that there were like 25 theories. Yeah, and some people threw out some theories on the strangers page too, yeah. which was kind of cool. Oh, I want to talk about my random nodding thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's which crazy. Is so you weird. definitely need to talk about that. So, two days ago? Was it two days ago? Yes, because I was at Lakeside. So, yes. Yeah, so like two days ago, I've been getting into, I'll get into it more when we talk about it. I think Tom DeLong during the episode today. Okay. But I've been getting more into like back into the synchronicity, the mm-hmm. randonauting stuff. And randonauting, if I'm sure you guys know what it is, but if you have if you don't know, it is using an app that uses a quantum computer to give you you say like what area you're in and it pinpoints thousands of coordinates. And if there's a certain coordinate that keeps showing up for some reason it sends you to that site like there's something there what it's doing is it's getting you out of your routine taking you someplace that you never would have had a reason to go to that day <laughs> except in this scenario. except in my situation <laughs> but it was so weird so Very anyway weird. i was i was i don't remember where i was but i was somewhere in manitowoc and i was driving home and i'm like you know what i want to try i want to try randonauting again so i downloaded the app opened it up and i did it originally had like the entire city of Manitowoc. So I narrowed it down to just the north side of Manitowoc, which is still a huge, yeah, huge area. So I did, you know, and it said, what is your, you know, intention? And my intention is just show me that this is something that I should be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, show me that this does mean something doing my random nodding. So do you have to type that in? No, you think about it while it's oh, coming up okay. with the coordinates. It tells gotcha. you, it has shows a thing on the screen saying, think about your intention, what you're looking for. And okay. I said, I just wanted some validation that what I'm doing is, is meaningful. Mm-hmm. So then it shows me the location. And I, I'm zooming in and I'm like, God, that's near Corey's house. And I'm zooming in, zooming in. It is right smack dab, like on Corey's front door. If you're just tuning in, this is his brother. My brother. It, <laughs> it, it could have like take, it could have landed on any square foot right. in northern Manitowoc. And, and it, it landed, landed on directly Corey's. on my brother's front door that's on his nuts. house. That's nuts. And I, I screenshot it and I sent it to you and I sent it to Corey and Corey even wrote back and Corey's like, I don't even know how to explain that. No. It's just weird. Like of it's all the places. It's taking you to the middle of fields. It's taking me to fields, taking me to train tracks out in the middle of nowhere. It's taking me to parks in the middle of nowhere that I've never been to. But this is the first time that it's taken me someplace that I, I'm very familiar with. Obviously. And wow. you know, is there a chance that it's using my location data from my previous visits? That wouldn't be very random. It wouldn't would be it? very random, and it doesn't have access to that that you and, know of. <laughs> and it's never done this. <laughs> that you know, that of. I know of. But it's never done this. It's never right. led me someplace right. before that I've been to tons of times. So it just freaked me out that it just landed smack dab on Corey's house. So on did my you go visit Corey that no, day? No, no. I oh. went past his house that day to see okay. if he was outside or something, and, he, and they weren't. That's crazy. But it was just so weird to me that it landed right on my brother's house. Of hmm. all the places that it could have pinpointed yeah. exactly there. So it, apparently randonauting is something that I'm supposed to keep doing. I wonder if anyone listening does this and has had that experience. Yeah, where... because our listeners have dabbled with randonauting, yeah. I guess. But I was just reading an article that people start it and then you're like, oh, this is actually kind of dumb. It's not as cool as I thought it was. But yeah. I'm fascinated with it because I'm fascinated by synchronicity. And I'm yeah. fascinated with the dice living and the idea of mm-hmm. breaking out of your restricted 
zones that you would be in during yep. the day. So it was just so weird to me that it had <laughs> really cool. Corey's house. Yeah. And I think Corey's going to be in the next episode, actually. Okay. So, so that's our mini that. mystery, right? Yes. So I need to prepare. I don't know if you need to, because Corey and I can just do one. So maybe you can take the time off for this one. Okay. Because I always have the time. No, it's I really don't mind. Okay. W- either way. Okay. Just let give me a heads up it, when you know for sure, just so I have time to research something. Unless you, we all three of us want to do one and I'll do like a really short one. That works. I'll see. I think I think I know what Corey's gonna do. Okay. And what Corey's gonna do is is it's a true crimey thing that Ooh, I'm super good. interested in. So we'll cool. see. But we'll figure that out. Yeah. We play it by year. We got two weeks. So we head to the taste tests. Yeah. So we're leaving this box alone. Leave and that one. Okay. Yeah. This we're gonna open one from Stephanie. Okay. And one of the boxes from the Carpenters. Okay. Not the band. The listeners. So. So they sent us three boxes. Oh, they must have. Because this is Josh and Whitney here. They must have. Okay. Yeah. So then what we're going to do... Which one is from Stephanie? Let's just start there. Oh, the other one's from Coleman. We have, oh, Coleman. You guys, we have so many boxes right now and stuff. <laughs> yeah. We do not need any taste test items right now. So yeah, thank no you taste guys, test. If you want to send us other test. stuff, yeah. postcards, we're always excited so to do get we, postcards. So do we want to open Coleman's or do we want to open... Let's open Stephanie's. Stephanie's and then Coleman's and next time. We could do them time. both. Why not? Okay. Just bring it back over to your plate. Okay, your, so Save that one for next time, because that one I think it has to go in the fridge. This is from our sweet listener Stephanie in Arizona. She said a bunch of. She said just things that are like specifically you, things that are specifically me, and some taste test stuff. She is one of our Instagram listeners, and she's so so sweet. I don't think so. I think she just. I think she's pretty much just Instagram. I do too. I love all of her pictures. Probably not. Probably not. There's a lot of stuff in here. Okay. I'm back. We have a sweet card from Stephanie. The card says, hi, hello, how are you? This box is beyond (laughs) late, but I kept finding stuff to add or life would happen. You guys know. So Kurt and Krista, while we are strangers, I feel as if I already know you both somehow. Aww. Aww. We love you, Stephanie. We feel the same way. Like all the fans say, it's like hanging out, listening to your friends talk. It's comforting and comical and sincere and just the best. Love you guys. I hope you enjoy and find use for all the treasures, a.k.a. random junk, shoved in the box. (laughs) Enjoy the treats. Eat the spooky ones if you dare. Blah, ha, ha. I gave you three so you could keep a trophy. Thank you so much for making this podcast. Best decision to randomly check out this podcast with a cool thumbnail image okay enjoy stephanie t head one two three on instagram yep t head divide goodies not marked it says okay so thank you so much stephanie we love you Oh. In mine. <laughs> cool. Well, I don't know. They have Bigfoot and Nessie on them. Oh, and aliens. That's awesome. That's really cute. Oh, those are their socks, by the way. I'll take pictures of everything. Um, are we? Oh, here's another. Okay, so this Sweet. is strictly Bigfoot. Sweet. So I'm guessing these are for you. <laughs> Sweet. And the big. Oh, they're cute. They're super cute. They got little like footprints all over them, and <laughs> they beats. are really cute. Oh my god, so cute, and they're green. Is just like a bunch of random stuff in here. So here's an Arizona keychain. Oh, love That's it. That's really cool. Love that. It has like different points of interest on it, it looks like. I didn't bring glasses, so. Oh my gosh, there's so much. Should we let's just take a couple more things out now? Yeah. We can do more next time. Okay, here's a different taste test then. Try it or just because keep it because the bottle is cool. What do you think? Do you know what it is? No. 
Let's open it. Okay. Sorry, this is riveting for everybody else. Bubble wrap. Oh my gosh. So most of you won't hear this, but we edited out one of the taste test items that we got because we are going to save that for next time when Corey is here because there's three of them. And he's adventurous. And he's adventurous and I'm actually a little scared. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's going to take like an episode to get through it. Yeah, but what are we supposed to... Oh, this is spicy adobo. High desert spicy adobo. I think it's something we're just going to have to do that with. I don't have anything to put it on. I hope it's not super, super spicy. It might be. It's called spicy adobo. (laughs) You'll be prepared at least because... Do you guys uh, put like spicy stuff on your foods? mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you guys can use that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. If I can open it. Wow, I cannot see. Oh, maybe I... No. (laughs) There's got to be a perforation somewhere. There we are. I'm going to shake it. I feel like you need to shake it. You look... It looks (laughs) terrified right now. I'm just going to say that. Ooh. It doesn't smell spicy. Okay, I'm going to shake it again because it's kind of... What is adobo? Um... Do you have your glasses on? Do you want to read ingredients? Yeah. Wow, that is tiny print, too. We're so far away, we can't handle Ever wonder what the Southwest tastes like? Start yes, with warm yes, spices such as cumin, garlic, and oregano. Ooh. Add the sweet treat of dates. I'm Mix in, in the love. bold, smoky flavors of ancho chilies, and you have yourself Arizona in a bottle. Try spicy adobo on Mexican cuisine, grilled white meats, roasted veggies, or add a dash to a michelada. I think to that's a what? A michelada. Isn't that like a beer with a with tomato juice in it? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've had it. Uh, the ingredients, water, distilled vinegar, apple cider vinegar, dates, ancho pepper. Uh, that scares me. Ancho. Agave yeah. nectar, kosher okay. salt, granulated garlic, dried habanero pods, cumin, cinnamon, oh. and dried Mexican. Habanero <laughs> pods? Are going to be... Yeah, that's where the heat's probably coming from. All right. If by pods, they mean seeds. The seeds and ribs. put some on my finger? Yeah. It smells like it smells like I think it smells good. It does. It smells like A1. Yeah, like a, a little one. bit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll have you taste it before I stick my hand on it. <laughs> Watching Gert try to put this on his finger. It's oh, like it's, the, it's chunky. It's like the catch did you want can you shake it up again? It's like watching it's like the ketchup bottle at the restaurant, <laughs> the glass one where you can never get the ketchup out. I need like a straw or something that I can put it on, something that I can dip in there. We definitely don't have a straw down here. Um, I'm a little scared. <laughs> on the end of a toothpick. It smells good though. Are you? Are you? I see like bits terrified. in there. I'm, I'm wondering if that's the habanero. Could be. Or I guess I'm ready. I'm a little scared, but I Just guess take I'm ready. a tiny bite. No, I'm just going to do it You're all at once. You're just going to do it? Yep. Okay. Because if it's horrible, then I'm going to be afraid to take another bite. So ready? Okay. Let's do Go. it. Mm. Oh. It's spicy. Yeah. Yep. Oh. That won't last, though. That's the kind of spice I think that... See, it's not bad. You went for no, more. No, I went back and got the rest off my toothpick, so it's the not bad. The spice is already dying down. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. I think it's this very would be good spicy. on like chicken. Yes, like chicken. Mm. That's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's like a good kind of spice, but it is yeah. very, very spicy. Burn. But it is very spicy. You guys put that on stuff? 
Seriously, that would be super spicy, though. Oh, yeah. You like that? I like spicy. Okay. I think it's good. Upstairs. It's Yeah, it's very good. What would, do you give I it? Would, I give it an eight. Yeah, me too. Because it's it's tasty. It's not just spice. I mean, it tastes good. There's a lot of spice. The spice is kind of kicking my butt right now, but mm. it's it's good. It's It's got a really good flavor. Mm-hmm. I give that an eight. Yeah, me too. You know what's funny is that... It has that same un- aftertaste as like all the Mexican, yeah, the Mexican candy, candy. <laughs> except this is intended to be like not candy. That's funny. So then the rest of Stephanie's stuff we're going to wait with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of stuff in here. The taste test item that most of you aren't going to know about unless you're a, a coffee subscriber. We're going to do when Corey's here. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Corey would try. I don't know. I'm scared of that one, to be honest with you. Uh, the... Yeah, the beginning will be fine. It's the end that's going to be kind of freaky. (laughs) So should we grab one more stuff from the carpenter's box? And then we will open Coleman's next time. Sorry, Coleman. So it says Trader Joe's dried fruit. Dried and sweetened hibiscus flowers. Hibiscus. It's hibiscus? like A sweet and tart treat. Yes. It's like the actual flower? I think so. Yep, that's the first ingredient. We're supposed to eat it? Yeah. Let me take a picture in this really terrible lighting that we have done here. <clears throat> wow, that spice is not going away. I don't really? know. If, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even notice it I anymore. Can... Maybe this taste of... should keep a glass of milk down here because... Maybe <laughs> we should have a gallon of milk I could drink milk out of. neutralizes the heat. All right. This is weird, like eating hibiscus flowers. Oh, that okay. just looks weird. It looks like a little starfish or something. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. It smells good. No, it doesn't. You don't think so? No. Okay, I'm taking a picture. Oh, uh, I don't like this. Don't be such a baby dog. <laughs> That's what I call Lucy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where I can get... Dried, sweetened hibiscus flowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's not bad. I don't like this. I don't know why this disturbs me I mean, me it so doesn't much. look appetizing, I'll be honest. It looks like a clump of dried bacon. <laughs> What's wrong with bacon? <laughs> Nothing. But I, it's just weird to me eating a flower. Flowers are edible. Yeah, but... Well, some flowers. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I have a big piece. Hmm. I think it's good. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It tastes like dried fruit. Yeah. Almost like a cranberry. Yeah. It tastes like a mouthful of dried cranberries. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's still weird to me, but it's good. Yeah. Huh. It has like a, <laughs> a floral note to it, because it is a flower. Mm. That mm, is actually good. pretty good. I think those would be good on a salad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give that an eight as well. Me too. That's yummy. Way better mm. than I expected. Yeah. I've never eaten it's hibiscus really flowers before. No. Neither have I. Hmm. I did a lot of banging around there, so sorry, people. Might have to snack on those during the episode. Oh, that card she sent us is really cute. It is, and her writing is so nice. She let go. I gotta stand up again. Oh, look at, did you see how the card landed? That's <laughs> oh, she does that really nice writing. What you're gonna have to get are like one of those big wooden pizza servers that you can like pick up and a then pizza push peel. A pizza. We have a pizza peel. And then I can put it on there, and then you can bring it back to your side <laughs> of the table. I love it. 
later. Well, this will go on the the newer board that we have started over here. Thank you so much, Carpenters and Stephanie. Thank yes. you so much. We're going to go through the rest of your box. I kind of want that Arizona keychain. Yeah, you can have because that. Because I love, love, love Arizona. Sad news. My uh, So was it um, Lakeside Craft Studios? She's the one who gave us the Bigfoot. I think so, yes. Keychains with their names yeah. on them. Mine like broke in half. I oh. have super glued that guy together so many times. <laughs> and now he's just a torso. <laughs> I, I don't. I have the legs, but I just don't think he's going to hold together anymore. Oh, I don't. So a lot of that stuff I don't like using as keychains because I'm worried that it's going to get my keychains get so banged up. Yeah, so mine I have too. them at home on like a display thing. Jim's a little too rough with my keys because he's the one who always breaks it. <laughs> I, I want to use it as a keychain though. That's the thing. I know, but I guess I, I shouldn't. So thank you so much, you guys. Uh, we'll get to Coleman's box next week when or next episode when Corey is here. And we'll go through more of Stephanie's stuff. We'll go through stuff. more of Stephanie's stuff. We're going to try those taste test and items. More stuff that out I, am, the carpenter's I'm, box. I am surprisingly freaked That's out getting pretty empty yeah. so hopefully I'm, we'll I'm be creeped out one. about the taste test it is, yeah it's creepy maybe we should not have <laughs> taken that challenge to try those <laughs> but we'll do that when Corey is here because Corey's yeah. like that yeah so should we jump into today's main topic head first head first yep today's main topic and this is something that people have brought up a lot on the strains yeah sessions, like when are you gonna get Facebook to this page like, because it's been in the news like crazy mm-hmm, for like the last mm-hmm. five years so we are talking today about like the current state of ufos and ufo research and there's a lot going on i, I just i kept it to like within the last five years okay because it seems to me like that's when stuff kind of jump started was around 2017 mm-hmm. and things started being declassified well, that didn't happen till like yeah, re- we'll very get very. That. We'll recently. get to that. Oh, really? I just got curted. <laughs> I haven't been curted in a while. No, I haven't curted you in a while. It felt good. It hmm, felt right. Oh, all right. Uh, it felt right. <laughs> so, from a June eighteenth, twenty twenty one article on Vox called "Quote UFOs Are Real." That's the easy part. Now here's the hard part. The article says, and this is just a little introduction that I liked. Quote. When I was growing up, UFOs were the province of late-night talk radio and the X-Files. They had a roughly similar level of respectability to theories that the 9-11 attacks were an inside job or that the CIA killed John F. Kennedy. Both are possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, That stigma appears to be fading somewhat. In 1996, Gallup found that only 47% of Americans thought people reporting UFO sightings were seeing something real and not imagining it. Then in 2019, when Gallup polled again, a majority, 56%, thought UFO observers were seeing something real. All of a sudden, serious people are starting to take UFOs seriously. Mm -hmm. So that is a little introduction that I really liked. And there's just a couple different things in this one. This one was kind of a hard one to, not research, but a hard one to pin down what I wanted to talk about. Oh, sure. Because there's a lot. There is a lot. So the first thing I want to talk about is just a little section about UFOs during COVID, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. According to an April 13th, 2021 article on CNET.com, quote, a fascinating report by the New York Times uncovered that according to data from the National UFO Reporting Center, UFO sightings surged across the United States. Nationwide sightings increased by 1,000 to a total of 7,200, an increase of around 16%. New York especially saw a dramatic rise with sightings doubling in 2020 to 300 total sightings. Nationwide sightings increased by 1,000 to a total of 7,200, which was an increase of 16%. Why have sightings increased? Most likely because people had more time to scan the night sky with strict lockdowns in place, Mm. particularly in New York and many left cities to get to open spaces to get away from the virus, which is 100% true. Yeah. 
But there was also a spate of UFO news throughout 2020 that pushed the topic to the forefront of the zeitgeist. It was predicted in early 2020 that thanks to companies like SpaceX and OneWeb inspiring us to look up, we'd most likely see a rise in UFO sightings throughout the year. And that's true because people are out looking at the SpaceX rockets and now we have the Starlink and whatever, but people Mm -hmm. have more of a reason to go out and look at the sky. And then because they're doing that, they're going to see more things that they don't know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. This, combined with the Pentagon releasing three previously classified UFO sighting videos, have people thinking about and discussing unidentified flying objects. All of this combined most likely contributed to an increase in sightings. Keep your eyes to the skies, folks. And that's true. Like, so many people that I knew that lived in, like, New York City or Los Angeles or something like that got out of the big cities when COVID was happening to get someplace. Like, even here where people had cabins up north, a lot of people left... Like the big, not like Sheboygan's like a big city, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people left like Sheboygan to go to their cabin up north where there's nobody around them. Right. And because of that, A, you have nothing else to do. So you're going to go out and look at the sky. But there's also less lights. So you're going to be able to see more things in the sky. So there's just a lot of things that that contributed to the fact that during the COVID lockdowns and, you know, like more people saw UFOs. And a number of sightings last year were quickly identified as satellites launched by SpaceX. Elon Musk's space exploration initiative that conducted test runs over northern Idaho last year. One viral TikTok video of an object hovering in New Jersey last year turned out to be the Goodyear blimp. So people are still (laughs) (laughs) mistaking things. But right now, Starlink is like the big one where it's like that five, that string of like the five. And it looks like a UFO. So it's totally easy. And if you don't know that's going up in the sky, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to misconstrue that to think that it's a series of UFOs. So that's totally a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like right now, a lot of people are seeing that, but there's been a lot of sightings lately. Uh, One of our listeners even sent us like sightings in Mexico that have been happening down in Mexico. So Mm -hmm. there's just been a ton of sightings lately. So the next thing I want to talk about a little bit, because this is kind of what the, what got the ball rolling actually on everything. And I didn't know that until I started researching this. And this is something that I've talked about in previous episodes and that is Tom DeLong from Blink-182. Oh, yeah. And his his company, To The Stars. Mm-hmm. We talked about him. I don't remember what episodes we really talked. I think it was like way back in like our news it stories. It was like our ago. first season when we ended yeah. with like news stories of the year. And that was one of the things is that Tom DeLong started a, a company called To The Stars that he wanted to look into UFOs and telepathy and stuff like that. And I didn't realize that that to the stars company was basically what got this ball rolling with everything. Hmm. So like things getting declassified. Yeah. Okay. So to the stars, uh, the, the company is actually called to the stars, the Academy of arts and sciences. It's a company co-founded by Tom DeLong, guitarist of blink 182 and the band angels to airwaves. And I love angels to airwaves. I love blink 182. You know, I have so many fond memories of my friend Erica and I driving around at lunch at the grocery store, just blaring (laughs) Blink-182 when I was way too old to be listening to them in the first place. But I love Angels and Airwaves. Like Angels and Airwaves are one of those bands that I think are underrated and I think they're so good. Uh, And he's like, you know, the singer guitarist for Angels and Airwaves. Okay. Also in To the Stars is Harold Puthoff and Jim Semivan, and it's composed of aerospace, science, and entertainment divisions. Its first major media project was the History Channel series called Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigations in 2019, and I remember watching some of those episodes. Mm. 
and it's weird because what channel I, was it on history history okay like i love tom DeLong, but he it's him and like a bunch of scientists and military guys and he just sticks out you know oh sure because he's kind of like the punk rock yeah, yeah, like yeah. the punk tattoos. skateboard tattoos sure. guy but i i just really like him the science and aerospace divisions are devoted to the outer edges of science, such as investigating unidentified flying objects and telepathy. Some sources have claimed that To the Stars is responsible for reinvigorating public imagination of UFOs. In July of 2019, the company stated that it had acquired and was studying, quote, potentially exotic materials <laughs> as part of its acquisition. <laughs> you said potentially. Did I, did I really? Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what you were laughing at was studying potentially exotic materials as part of its acquisition and data analysis of materials, or ATOM, research project. Steve Justice, to the star COO and former head of advance... Boy, I'm having a hard time today. Take a sip of coffee. Oh, thank you. It's probably that spicy stuff. It <laughs> could be. It went to your brain. Steve Justice, to the star COO and former head of advanced systems at Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, said in a statement that, quote... The structure and composition of these materials are not from any known existing military or commercial application, and that the materials would be studied in an attempt to reverse engineer them. So they claim to have material that has come from a crashed UFO. And yeah, I guess I, how do you say this is not from any known military use? We have no idea what the military is doing or what kind of technology they we have. We don't, but, you know, and that gets into the whole thing with, like, Tom DeLong knows a lot like they let him in on a ton of stuff mm -hmm. and then you have the argument that it's disinformation that sure. they are feeding him what they want him to relay to the public which yep. has nothing to do with what is really going on mm -hmm. you know i'm listening to a podcast right now that it was like a three hour long podcast interview with him and then the host asks do you think you're being used to yeah give out disinformation and yeah. he says no but there's people that believe that that is what's going on mm-hmm Regarding the origin of these materials, he stated, quote, they've been collected from sources with varying levels of chain of custody documentation, so we are focusing on verifiable facts and working to develop independent scientific proof of the material's properties and attributes. According to the company, the metals are from an unidentified flying object and were previously retained and studied by ufologist Linda Moulton Howe. And I hear she comes up a lot in all my research and stuff. Moulton Howe claimed in 2004 that the metals become a, quote, lifting body when subjected to electromagnetic radiation. Critics say there is no evidence to support the claim that these materials are otherworldly in origin or that they may be scientifically important. Chris Cogswell, who holds a Ph.D. in chemical engineering and hosts the Mad Scientist podcast, states that, quote, the chances of it being important scientifically are extremely slim and suggests that the pieces might be slagged from an industrial process. Hmm. Oh. Which I get. Sure. On October 17th, 2019, the company announced it entered into a cooperative research and development agreement with the United States Army Combat Capabilities Development Command. So to the stars, you know, back when we started talking about it, it just kind of got going. And now it's become kind of a thing where they're yeah. actually like in a developmental agreement with the Army. Mm -hmm. The five-year contract will focus on, quote, Inertial mass reduction, mechanical structural metamaterials, electromagnetic metamaterial waveguides, quantum physics, quantum communications, and beamed energy propulsion. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So all that stuff, mm -hmm. which is like next Bunch level. Of stuff. It's yeah. like next level science stuff that you know if they're like UFOs exist, 
you know, it's probably going to involve some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Beamed energy propulsion and quantum communications. Then on December 16th, 2017, to the stars released the now famous FLIR 1 video. And that's the Tic Tac video. Mm-hmm. And the, to the stars are the ones that officially released that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And then it was after that Leaked that it? the Pentagon. Did they leak it? I think they just released it. Right, but I don't think it was like declassified yet. It wasn't yet, but there was all this. I was reading all this stuff about, like, they tried asking, "Is it okay to release this from the like the Pentagon and the oh, military?" Okay. And they were getting, they were getting like yes, and then no, and then yes, and then no, and then yes, then no, and then I think they finally just leaked it. Okay. So then, it was that same day that they kind of leaked this video that the. New York Times article came out and I'm going to read the New York Times article in its entirety because this was the big thing was the New York Times article about the UFOs about the 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 FLIR one you know everybody knows what these videos look like yes. it's like the the fighter pilots with the tic tac you know everybody knows what these look I'll probably put a, put them in the strangers so I want to mention something real quick before you get yep. started on that yep. there is a show I think it must be on Travel Channel because Travel Channel has all these shows on it but Ben Hansen is the host you know who Ben Hansen yeah. is um, for those who don't know, he's on like all of these shows. He's a former FBI agent. He used to be on Paranormal Factor Faked, but I believe it's called UFO Witness. And there's an episode where he talks to the guy, former military guy. I don't know what it's called, but he was running the whatever radar sonar that day when the TikTok Tic Tac thing was captured he was communicating with the yeah. pilots he saw yeah, it. i have some quotes coming up later when i talk about the actual video watch that episode though i don't remember what the episode is called um but just if if you look up i can try to put it on uh the strangers but i don't know i think it's a good show and if you want to know more about that video and everything that transpired that day yeah. watch that episode i'll have to look for that because that sounds interesting yeah it's really good uh I, i've never like, even when the videos like the they just came out and everybody was talking about them. I never really got into like watching stuff about mm. them because I was probably re- you know researching other stuff for yeah. the podcast. But it's really interesting, and and I did not know that to the stars and Tom DeLonge were basically the ones that kind of had this video and then were in contact with the military about releasing it and release, and then they finally released it. And I think it was a year, or the two, two years like, later, that oh, the Pentagon, the, no, well, then the Pentagon officially said, yeah, these are official videos yeah so the once the pentagon okayed them then it's like dang this is this is real this is real but the thing is like there's so much so many people don't like tom DeLong or what he has to say about this mm. and i listened to a i just got done listening to it when i pulled into your driveway actually a three-hour interview with him on the fade to black podcast and there's a lot of people tearing apart stuff that he says that don't agree with him. Mm. But I know it's completely crazy, but I do believe some of the stuff that he's talking about. And one of the things that he talks about that a lot of people say is nuts that I don't. He says that UFOs and even like Bigfoot and ghosts and stuff, he said so much of that stuff he said it's not from another planet. He said the fact that it's from another planet was basically disinformation. He says that it's almost a dimensional thing, but he says almost all of this has to do with consciousness. Hmm. Like the UFOs, like propelled, everything is consciousness. And then he went into this talk, which is interesting. It's almost synchronicity to me because lately I've been really into 
stuff like the secret, like the idea of the mm-hmm. law of attraction, the yeah. idea that you manifest what you what you put out get, into the universe. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I totally agree. And then Tom DeLong, I'll, I'll maybe put the the link to this three hour. It's interesting because he talks about some crazy stuff in there, but I do agree with this. He says that so much of the world involves consciousness, involves what we put out. There's certain frequencies we put out that affect everything else around hmm. the world. And he says that like the A-list spaceships, the quote, quote, spaceships, he says they're not from space, technically. It's like a dimensional thing. He says that they are repelled by good frequencies, like love. And when you're content and happiness, hmm. they're repelled by that. Okay. And they're attracted by negative frequencies. Hmm. And what's Is that wi- the same for like ghosts too? I think so. Or? I think hmm. so. But he says, like, all that is tied up. He says there's so much, like, the entire world is based around this idea of our consciousness, our frequencies determine what goes on in the world. And what's weird to me about that is lately I've been feeling like the powers that be, the government, whatever you want, like, they want us to be at odds with each other. Like, they are constantly... They're doing a good job of it. <laughs> yeah, they are constantly splitting people up and they're mm-hmm. constantly bombarding negative us energy. with negative energy mm-hmm. with negative imagery with with just a feeling of dread yeah and it almost seems like with the roe versus wade stuff oh like God. all this stuff coming out it almost seems like this is a purposeful thing to right. just beat us down and turn people against each other and control so us. it was weird that i was thinking about that when i'm mm-hmm. listening to him talk about how that stuff is repelled by good loving frequencies well, and, we should be attracting all the and, ufos and, now and that's why it's happening <gasps> more lately is because there's so much negative energy around so the world that theory is interesting i'd be curious to know if there have been a lot of ufo sightings near ukraine oh i don't know I don't that know. would kind of prove that theory yeah. but it's just interesting because i've really been looking into the, the like the law of attraction like mm-hmm. like you because i believe it i believe i do believe it based on things that have happened in my life i believe that your mindset your attitude 100% creates what comes into your, your reality life. yep so it's just weird that he's talking about this and about how ufo's are basically con- you know driven not driven by but they're they're like a conscious thing and he says these alien things aren't good that they want to to come here because they're jealous of us Mm. And it's it's just, it's like a lot of his stuff is weird, but a lot of his stuff I kind of buy. So I don't know. I'm just kind of right now fascinated with Tom DeLong and the To The Stars stuff. And I'll, I'll post that podcast in The Strangers. I can't write off his theory. No, but I, I totally believe that. I think so much of what we, what happens to us, so much of the world around us is created by our I would agree with that. If you're a negative person who has negative thoughts all yeah. day, your reality is going to be negative yep. for sure. But then once to the stars kind of released the the FLIR video, the the one the first Tic Tac video. I keep calling it TikTok. <laughs> it's all over <laughs> totally TikTok. Totally different thing, yeah. But yeah, so then... The Tic Tac video on TikTok. On December 16th, 2017, the same day that To The Stars kind of released it, so they obviously released it to the New York Times. The mm. New York Times on, had a headline you know, like on their paper, which is like a huge thing. So then on December 16th, 2017, the New York Times had an article in it called, quote, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. Mm. And this is kind of what launched everything for the New York Times to have an article like this. The New York Times. Yeah. Like that's a serious publication. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, wow, 
you know, mm-hmm. so this was like a huge thing. So I'm going to read the article in its entirety because this was kind of like a milestone in, I don't want to say disclosure. Well, mainstream media yeah. covering something that is considered is kind of woo-woo. like fringe. It is considered yeah. fringe. So the article says, quote, in the $600, <laughs> in the $600 billion. Oh, there's a difference there. Yeah, there's a big difference between $600 billion <laughs> and $600. In the $600 billion annual defense department budgets, the $22 million spent on the advanced aerospace threat identification program was almost impossible to find, which is exactly how the Pentagon wanted it. For years, the program investigated reports of unidentified flying objects, according to Defense Department officials, interviews with program participants, and records obtained by the New York Times. It was run by a military intelligence official named Luis Elizondo on the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-ring deep within the building's maze. The Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of the program, which it says shut down around 2012, but its backers say that while the Pentagon ended funding for the effort at that time, the program remains in existence. What's the name of the program? The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Ooh, okay. For the past five years, they say, officials with the program have continued to investigate episodes brought to them by service members while also carrying out their other Defense Department duties. The shadowy program, parts of it do remain classified, began in 2007, and initially it was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time and who has long had an interest in space phenomena. Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by a billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Mr. Reed's named Robert Bigelow, who we've talked about in the past episodes. Mm -hmm. Robert Bigelow, who is currently working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space. On CBS's 60 Minutes in May, Mr. Bigelow said that he was, quote, absolutely convinced that aliens do exist and that that UFOs have visited Earth. Working with Mr. Bigelow's Las Vegas-based company, the program produced documents that described sightings of aircraft that seemed to move at very high velocities with no visible signs of propulsion or that hovered with no apparent means of lift. Officials with the program have also studied videos of encounters between unknown objects and American military aircraft, including one released in August of a whitish oval object about the size of a commercial plane chased by two Navy F-A-18 fighter jets from the aircraft carrier Nimitz off the coast of San Diego in 2004. And that's the first Tic Tac video that came out. Mr. Reed, who retired from Congress this year, said that he was proud of the program. Mr. Reed said, quote, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry that I got this thing going. I think it's one of the good things I did in my congressional service. I've done something that no one else has done before. Two other former senators and top members of a defense spending subcommittee, Ted Stevens, an Alaska Republican, and Daniel Inouye, a Hawaii Democrat, also supported the program. Mr. Stevens died in 2010 and Mr. Inouye in 2012. While not addressing the merits of the program, Sarah Seeger, an astrophysicist at MIT, cautioned that not knowing the origin of an object does not mean that it's from another planet or galaxy. She says, quote, When people claim to observe truly unusual phenomena, sometimes it's worth investigating seriously. What people sometimes don't get about science is that we often have phenomena that does remain unexplained, which is true. Mm-hmm. A video shows a 2004 encounter near San Diego between two two Navy fighter jets and an unknown object. It was released by the Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. James E. Oborg, a former NASA space shuttle engineer and the author of 10 books on spaceflight who often debunks UFO sightings, was also doubtful. 
He says, quote, there are plenty of prosaic events and human perceptual traits that can account for these stories. Lots of people are active in the air and don't want others to know about it. They are happy to lurk unrecognized in the noise or even to stir it up as camouflage. Still, Mr. Oberg says that he welcomes research. There could very well be a pearl in there, he said. So are they referring specifically to the Tic Tac video when they make these comments? With the, when they talk about the video with the fighter jets, that's like the first yeah. Tic Tac video. Yeah. And they're saying that there's probably some... Yeah, and there's people that still do say that there's that it's that it's camera glare and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. In response to questions from the Times, Pentagon officials this month acknowledged the existence of the program, which began as part of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Officials insist, however, that the efforts ended after five years in 2012. It was determined that there were other higher priority issues that merited funding, and it was in the best interest of the DOD to make a change, a Pentagon spokesman, Thomas Crossan, said in an email referring to the Department of Defense. But Mr. Elizondo said the only thing that has ended was the efforts government's funding, which dried up in 2012. From then on, Mr. Elizondo said in an interview, he worked with officials from the Navy and the CIA. He continued to work out of his Pentagon office until this past October when he resigned to protest what he characterized as excessive secrecy and internal opposition. Why aren't we spending more time and effort on this issue? Mr. Elizondo wrote in a resignation letter to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Mr. Elizondo said that the efforts continued and that he had a successor who he declined to name. UFOs have been repeatedly investigated over the decades in the United States, including by the American military. In 1947, the Air Force began a series of studies that investigated more than 12,000 claimed UFO sightings before it was officially ended in 1969. The project, which included a study codenamed Project Blue Book, started in 1952, concluded that most sightings do involve stars, clouds, conventional aircrafts, or spy planes, although 701 do remain unexplained. That's a lot. Mm, That's a lot, yes. Robert Siemens Jr., the Secretary of the Air Force at the time, said in a memorandum announcing the end of the Project Blue Book that it, quote, can no longer be justified either on the ground of national security or in the interest of science. Mr. Reed said that his interest in UFOs came from Mr. Bigelow. In 2007, Mr. Reed said in the interview, Mr. Bigelow told him that an official with the Defense Intelligence Agency had approached him wanting to visit Mr. Bigelow's ranch in Utah where he conducted research. You know what ranch that is? Skinwalker. I think that's Skinwalker Ranch. Mr. Reed said that he met with agency officials shortly after his meeting with Mr. Bigelow and learned that they wanted to start a research program on UFOs. Mr. Reed then summoned Mr. Stevens and Mr. Inouye to to a secure room in the Capitol. I had talked to John Glenn a number of years before, Mr. Reed said, referring to the astronaut and former senator from Ohio who died in 2016. Mr. Glenn, Mr. Reed said, had told him that he thought that the federal government should be looking seriously into UFOs and should be talking to military service members, particularly pilots, who had reported seeing aircraft they could not identify or explain. The sightings were not often reported up the military's chain of command, Mr. Reed said, because service members were afraid that they would be laughed at or stigmatized. The meeting with Mr. Stevens and Mr. Inouye, Mr. Reed said, quote, was one of the easiest meetings I ever had. He added, Ted Stevens said, I've been wanting to do this since I was in the Air Force. During that meeting, Mr. Reed said that Mr. Stevens recounted being tailed by a strange aircraft with no known origin, which he said had followed his plane for miles. None of the three senators wanted a public debate on the Senate floor about the funding for the program, so this was just used with black money, you know, money that just goes to secret mm-hmm. things that we don't know about. He said, quote, Stevens knows about it and Nui knows about it, but that was it and that's how we wanted it. Mr. Reed was referring to the Pentagon budget for classified programs. 
Contracts obtained by the New York Times show a congressional appropriation of just under $22 million beginning in late 2008 through 2011. The money was used for management of the program, research, and assessments of the threat posed by these objects. The funding went to Mr. Bigelow's company, Bigelow Aerospace, which hired subcontractors and solicited research for the program. Under Mr. Bigelow's direction, the company modified buildings in Las Vegas for the storage of metal alloys and other materials that Mr. Elizondo and program contractors said had been recovered from identified aerial phenomena. Researchers also studied people who said they had experienced physical effects from encounters with the objects and examined them for any psychological or physiological changes. In addition, researchers spoke to military service members who had reported sightings of strange aircraft. And that's like them kind of taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. Like when they're doing psychological exams and physical exams on people that have experienced unidentified aircraft. Mm -hmm. Harold Pudoff, an engineer who has conducted research on ESP for the CIA and later worked as a contractor for the program, says, quote, We're sort of in the position of what would happen if you gave Leonardo da Vinci a garage door opener. First of all, he would try to figure out what this plastic stuff is. He wouldn't know anything about the electromagnetic signals involved or its function, which is true. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is that they talk about like us getting a downed UFO as like going back to Victorian times and handing someone an iPhone. Right. That person's going to have absolutely no idea. Right. You have to reverse engineer the Even the idea of touching the the picture on the screen and having it do something would yeah. be miraculous. Right. Oh, totally. You know, so that's that's the problem with these downed UFOs is that it's basically like giving Leonardo da Vinci a garage door opener and being like, here, figure this out. Mm-hmm. The program collected video and audio recordings of reported UFO incidents, including footage from a Navy Super Hornet showing an aircraft surrounded by some kind of glowing aura traveling at high speeds and rotating as it moves. The Navy pilots can be heard trying to understand what they are seeing. There's a whole fleet of them, one says. Defense officials declined to release the location and date of the incident, but we now know that stuff. Internationally, we are the most backward country in the world on this issue, Mr. Bigelow said in an interview. Our scientists are scared of being ostracized, and our media is scared of the stigma. China and Russia are much more open and work on this with huge organizations within their country. Smaller countries like Belgium, France, England, and South American countries like Chile are more open too. They are proactive and willing to discuss this topic rather than being held back by a juvenile taboo. Which I agree. As soon as you start talking about UFOs, you get the side eye. Yeah, you you get (laughs) side eye and you're a kook. By 2009. Depends on your company. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're good, but if I just bring that up at the bar with people, they'll be like, yeah. Or you'd be like, cut this guy off. Dude, I had this one experience. I've been dying to tell someone about it. Yeah, exactly. You never know what you're going to get. By 2009, Mr. Reed decided that the program had made such extraordinary discoveries that he argued for heightened security to protect it. He says, quote, much progress has been made with the identification of several highly sensitive, unconventional aerospace-related findings. A 2009 Pentagon briefing summary of the program prepared by its director at the time asserted that, quote, what was considered science fiction is now science fact, Mm -hmm. and that the United States was incapable of defending itself against some of the technologies discovered. Uh, Yeah, that's an understatement. Mr. Reed's request for the special designation was then denied. Mr. Elizondo, in his resignation letter of October 4th, said that there was a need for more serious attention to, quote, the many accounts from the Navy and other services of unusual aerial systems interfering with military weapons platforms and and displaying beyond next generation capabilities. He expressed his frustration with the limitations placed on the program, telling Mr. Mattis that, quote, 
There remains a vital need to ascertain capability and intent of this phenomena for the benefit of the armed forces and of the nation. Mr. Elizondo has now joined Mr. Pudoff and another former Defense Department official, Christopher Mellon, who was a deputy who was a deputy assistant secretary of defense for intelligence in a new commercial venture called to the stars Academy of arts and science. They are speaking publicly about their efforts as their venture aims to raise money for research into UFOs. In the interview, Mr. Elizondo said that his government colleagues had determined that the phenomenon they had studied did not seem to originate from any country. He says, quote, that fact is not something any government or institution should classify in order to keep secret from the people. For his part, Mr. Reed said that he did not know where these objects had come from. If anyone says they have the answers now, they're fooling themselves, he says. We do not know. But he goes on to say, quote, we have to start someplace. So that's the article from the New York Times mm-hmm. that, like, opened people's eyes to the fact that there was this secret... There's something legit there was a secret going on secret research here. group yeah. that were coming up, that were finding all this stuff, and were finding supposed fragments of ufos Mm -hmm. so this was huge that this was in the new york times and this is kind of when all this stuff happened you know that's when it became not something that just kooks talked about but it became something that wasn't like in the new york times that this needs to be looked at this Mm -hmm. 100 does and they need to get rid of the stigma that Mm -hmm. it's just like x-files addicts that talk about ufos Mm -hmm. or you know people that are psychotic right so with those, with that FLIR video, when that, I remember when the FLIR video, the first one came out, mm-hmm. it was kind of a big thing. It was like oh, a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. So with the release of the article, the New York Times also released some videos called FLIR, Gimbal, and Go Fast. Those are like the three videos that they released. The first one they released was the FLIR one. The videos featuring cockpit display data and infrared imagery, along with audio of communications between the pursuing pilots, were initially provided to the press by Luis Elizondo, the former head of Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, the Department of Defense's investigatory program. Elizondo had resigned from the Pentagon in October 2017 to protest government secrecy and opposition to the investigation, stating in a resignation letter that the program was not being taken seriously. According to Wired Magazine, a copy of the one of the videos, though, had been online in a UFO form since at least 2007. So, I mean, they were out there. Mm-hmm. It's just that this is, like, to the stars and then the New York Times. This is the first time that they got, like, major, a major push instead of being on Above Top Secret, which is, a like, a fringe conspiracy UFO yeah. ghost, like, uh, website. In September of 2019, a Pentagon spokeswoman confirmed that the released videos were made by naval aviators and that they are, quote, part of a larger issue of an increased numbers of training range incursions by identified aerial phenomena in recent years. So that's the Pentagon saying, yeah, this stuff is happening. We're finding the stuff. We don't know what it is. And that's right. a huge Admitting thing. that they don't Admitting know. Admitting that is basically like, the. I don't know if it, you would consider that disclosure, but it's the first step to kind of total is. disclosure. Yeah. And on April 27, 2020, the Pentagon formally released the three videos. In April 2021, Pentagon spokesperson Sue Gao confirmed that publicly available video footage of what appeared to be an unidentified triangular object in the sky had been taken by Navy personnel aboard the USS Russell in 2019. Science writer and expert UFO investigator Mick West suggests that the image was a result of an optical effect called a bokeh, B-O-K-E-H, which came up a lot. I've never heard of that. Mm-mm. Bokeh. Mm-mm which can make out-of-focus light sources appear triangular or pyramidal due to the shape of the aperture of some camera lenses. And I get that. Like, if something is out-of-focus, it's going to look 
a different shape. Yeah, but was this video taken with a camera? I no, it wasn't. Wasn't you just said it, it was, was like the flare? infrared video or not video, but you know what I mean. It was the planes. This equipment. one, the, the triangle one, it doesn't really say if it's. Uh, it doesn't really say. It just says what appears to be an unidentified triangular object in the okay. sky. The Pentagon also confirmed photographs of objects described as, quote, sphere, quote, acorn, and, quote, metallic blimp. So they're seeing a <laughs> lot of, of weird stuff. <laughs> the following month, Gao further, go, the following month, she further confirmed a second video had been recorded by Navy personnel and is under review by the UAP task force. The video, recorded on July 15, 2019, aboard the USS Omaha, purportedly shows a spherical object flying over the ocean as seen through an infrared camera at night, moving rapidly across the screen before stopping and easing down into the water. Mm-hmm. So the videos themselves, the 2004 Nimitz video, or the FLIR video, is the one that everybody remembers seeing. It's believed that someone saw the video on the ship's computer and used a thumb drive to take the video with them because the ship's computer is locked. Like, you can't go out or in from the ship's computer Yeah, and for the, the reason that you don't want it hacked. And the guy who was running that equipment that day said shortly after, other military people showed up and took yeah. everything. Yeah. So they think that someone used a thumb drive or flash drive to mm. take that video Before off. these other yeah. people showed up. The video actually first showed up on February 3rd, 2007 on Above Top Secret. And that's a message board that I used to go to. That's like a conspiracy slash go slash UFO slash Bigfoot slash everything. With an anonymous user sharing details of a UFO encounter they said occurred while they were aboard a naval aircraft carrier off the coast of Mexico in 2005. A lot of users at the time blasted it for being faked, saying it was CGI, and they, they didn't even like make a register anywhere. Everybody's mm-hmm. just like, no, that's nothing. You know, on December 16th, 2017, when To the Stars released the now famous video, the whole ball got rolling on this UFO thing. From a May 16th, 2021 article on CBS News called, quote, Navy pilots recall unsettling 2004 sighting, the article says, quote, on November 14, 2004, Navy pilots Commander Dave Fravor and Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich were training with the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. Fravor is a graduate of the Top Gun Naval Flight Program, so he's like Maverick. He was a commander of the F-18, F-A-18 squadron on the USS Nimitz at the time of the encounter, and Dietrich, a former A-18 a former F-18 pilot, has never before spoken publicly about what she saw that day. Unbeknownst to them, advanced radar on a ship that was part of their training group, the USS Princeton, had been detecting also what the operators called, quote, multiple anomalous aerial vehicles over the horizon, descending 80,000 feet in less than a second. And that's where I don't get the people that write this off as... as, Right. Because other people, like with radar, are seeing that there's something there that shouldn't be there at the same time the pilots are seeing this. So I think that writing this off as like a camera trick or something is just not doing any justice to this. No, no. During their training exercise, Fravor and Dietrich, each with a weapons system officer in the backseat of their F-18, said that they were diverted to investigate the anomalous object. They say at first they found an area of roiling whitewater the size of a Boeing 737. And that's another thing, is that they see this, the water is like churning. Mm. 
and that's not due to the camera, the you know, camera glare or something that right. they, they, physically, a they physically see that the water is churning below where this object is. I think that's co- considered a close encounter of the second kind. Yeah, I think so. When there's like a physical... Yeah, yeah. and they see the, this water churning below mm-hmm. it. And this mm-hmm. other group that with the radar see it. So it's not just a camera no. player or some kind of, uh, you know, like a camera malfunction or something. Mm-hmm. And then the pilots say they saw something strange above the water. Fravor recounts, quote, We saw this little white tic-tac looking object and it's just kind of moving above the whitewater area. Dietrich says, quote, no predictable movement, no predictable trajectory. Also saying that a total of four people, two pilots and two weapons system officers in the back seats of the two airplanes, witnessed the object for about five minutes. As Dietrich circled above it, Fravor went down for a closer look. He said the object was about the size of his F-18 with no markings, no wings, and no exhaust plumes. As soon as he tried to cut off the UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena, it accelerated upwards so quickly that it seemed to disappear. Seconds later, the USS Princeton reacquired the UAP on its radar. It was approximately now 60 miles away. A second wave of fighters, including Pilot Lieutenant Commander Chad Underwood, took off from the Nimitz to investigate. Unlike Fravor, Underwood's fighter was equipped with the Advanced Infrared Camera, or the FLIR. Underwood recorded the FLIR video and coined the description, quote, Tic Tac, to describe the infrared image, but he himself did not see any unusual object. So he did not see the object, but the first two pilots did. Fravor and Dietrich learned from the controllers on the USS Princeton that they had been tracking similar anomalous objects for days, yet Dietrich and Fravor said they had not been informed of this. When Fravor and Dietrich encountered the UAP, they were unarmed. Dietrich says, quote, I felt the vulnerability of not having anything to defend ourselves, and then I felt confused when it disappeared. Christopher Mellon served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, and also on the staff of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He told 60 Minutes that he believes the object that Fravor and Dietrich witnessed demonstrated advanced technological capabilities. Mellon says that the UAP appeared to have unlimited loiter time and exceptional acceleration. Yeah, I mean, it just shot off. Mm-hmm. It's defying physics. Yep. In August of 2020, Deputy Secretary of Defense David Norquist approved the establishment of a small group called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force based in the Office of Naval Intelligence. Service members are now being encouraged to report these types of encounters, and the task force will collect, analyze, and catalog evidence gathered by them. Mellon told Bill Whitaker, quote, What the Pentagon is acknowledging is that there are indeed aircraft that are violating restricted airspace. This has been happening and continues to happen, and we don't know where they're from, and we don't understand the technology. Senator Marco Rubio told 60 Minutes that identified aerial phenomena detected by our military are, quote, not ours. And he's concerned that they might represent a foreign surveillance threat. He says, quote, we certainly want to make sure that it's not a foreign adversary capability, meaning the Russians or the Mm -hmm. Chinese have developed some technology. It's a huge counterintelligence threat if that's what it is. And we want to take this seriously. And that's true. I mean, you don't know. You know, like if that is Russia or China, I mean, the fact that this thing is doing things that we have no idea how it's doing, that's not good if another power in the world has that capability yeah agreed you know and it just seems like that's not the case that that's not you know i don't know 
during either way, someone has technology that we're not yeah, <laughs> aware of, and it's a threat. <laughs> yeah. During 2014 and 2015, fighter pilots associated with the USS Theodore Roosevelt Carrier Strike Group were operating off the east coast of the United States when they recorded the gimbal and go-fast videos while reporting instrument detections of unknown aerial objects, which the pilots were unable to identify. The gimbal, quote, gimbal, is the official declassified U.S. Navy video of a UFO encounter in 2015. It's taken aboard a Navy fighter jet from the nuclear aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt along the Florida coast on the East Coast. From a New York Times May 26, 2019 article called, quote, Wow, what is that? Navy pilots report unexplained flying objects. The article says, quote, the strange objects, one of them like a spinning top moving against the wind, appeared almost daily from the summer of 2014 to March 2015, high in the skies over the East Coast. Navy pilots reported to their superiors that the objects had no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes, but that they could reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. These things would be out there all day, said Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-18 Super Hornet pilot who had been with the Navy for 10 years and who reported his sightings to the Pentagon and to Congress. He said, quote, keeping an aircraft in the air requires a significant amount of energy. With the speeds we observed, 12 hours in the air is probably 11 and a half hours longer than we'd expect. In late 2014, a Super Hornet pilot had a near collision with one of these objects and an official mishap report was filed. Some of the incidents were videotaped, including one taken by a plane's camera in early 2015 that shows an object zooming over the ocean waves as pilots question what they are watching. Wow, what is that man? One exclaims, look at it fly. Lieutenant Graves and four other Navy pilots said in interviews with the New York Times that they saw the objects in 2014 and 2015 in training maneuvers from Virginia to Florida off the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt. The objects have gotten the attention of the Navy, which earlier this year sent out new classified guidance for how to report what the military calls unexplained aerial phenomena or unidentified flying objects. The pilots began noticing the objects after their 1980s-era radar was upgraded to a more advanced system. As one fighter jet after another got the new radar, pilots began picking up these objects but ignoring what they thought were false radar tracks. Lieutenant Graves said, quote, People have seen strange stuff in military aircraft for decades. We're doing this very complex mission to go from 30,000 feet diving down. It would be a pretty big deal to have something up there. But he said the objects persisted, showing up at 30,000 feet, 20,000 feet, even sea level. They could accelerate, slow down, and then hit hypersonic speeds. Lieutenant Acoin said that he interacted twice with the objects. The first time, after picking up the object on his radar, he set his plane to merge with it, flying 1,000 feet below it. He said he should have been able to see it with his helmet camera, but could not, even though his radar told him that it was there. That's weird. Mm -hmm. That these things are obviously like cloaked or something. Right. Because the radar. Yeah. That, right? A few days later, Lieutenant Acoin said that a training missile on his jet locked onto the object and his infrared camera picked it up very well. I knew I had it. I knew this wasn't a false hit, he said, but still, I could not pick it up visually. At this point, That's the pilots... Crazy. It is crazy, but one of the things that in, really interests me from when I was driving down here from the Tom DeLong podcast I was listening to, he says that even though people don't know about it, one of the most important events, and I don't remember the name of this now, but it was in the 60s where they were testing nuclear bombs. And he said what people don't know is that during one of these, they sent a nuclear bomb up to the upper atmosphere and exploded it to see what it would do. And he says that when it did that, it knocked something out of the sky 
that was cloaked. Mm. And he mm. says, he says, that is why there are so many nuclear tests around the world because this, the nuclear bomb can take care of these things that we can't otherwise take care of. So I just thought that was interesting that he said that that was one of the first times they realized that there's something out there when it was when the nuclear test in space knocked this thing out of the sky that we didn't know was there. Hmm. So I just thought that was interesting. That's what this sounds like is that these things are cloaked cloaked, that you can't see them. At this point, the pilot said they speculated that the objects were part of some classified and extremely advanced drone program. But then pilots began seeing the objects. In late 2014, Lieutenant Graves said that he was back at base in Virginia Beach when he encountered a squadron mate just back from a mission with a look of shock on his face. He said he was stunned to hear the pilot's words. Quote, I almost hit one of those things, the pilot told Lieutenant Graves. The pilot and his wingman were flying in tandem about 100 feet apart over the Atlantic east of Virginia Beach when something flew right between them right past the cockpit. It looked to the pilot, Lieutenant Graves said, like a sphere encasing a cube. The incident so spooked the squadron that an aviation flight safety report was filed. The near miss he and other pilots interviewed said angered the squadron and convinced them that the objects were not part of a classified drone program. Government officials would know that fighter pilots were training in the area, they reasoned, and would not send drones to get in their way. It turned from a potentially classified drone situation into a safety issue, Lieutenant Graves said. It was going to be a matter of time before someone had a mid-air collision. What was strange, the pilot said, was that the video showed objects accelerating to hypersonic speed, making sudden stops and instantaneous turns, something beyond the physical limits of a human crew. In March of 2015, the Roosevelt left the coast of Florida and headed to the Persian Gulf as part of the American-led mission fighting the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. The same pilots who were interacting with the strange objects off the east coast were soon doing bombing missions over Iraq and Syria, but the pilots said that the incidents tapered off after they left the United States. Leon Golub, a senior astrophysicist at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, said the possibility of an extraterrestrial cause, quote, it's so unlikely that it competes with many other low-probability but more mundane explanations. He adds, quote, There are so many other possibilities. Bugs in the code for the imaging and display systems, atmospheric effects and reflections, neurological overload for multiple inputs during high-speed flight, etc. Hmm. But the fact that they're seeing this stuff, it's not just their their cameras. The fact that the guy saw it buzz between... Mm-hmm. You know, like there, these people are seeing this stuff. It's not just the camera footage. People right. are seeing stuff. People are almost hitting stuff. And that's what fascinates me more than anything about this is not so much the camera footage. It's the fact that they're saying, yeah, there's something that flew in between our planes while mm-hmm. we were doing this mission. But yeah, that's that's coming directly from the pilots. Mm-hmm. So the fact that... well, But, and then but s- you have to wonder how many pilots in the past saw things but mm-hmm. didn't want to report it because of the fact that you would get looked down on. So one of the the episodes of this, I think it's called UFO Witness with Ben Hansen, he talks to this woman, Jenny something, I can't remember her last name. She's actually got to be in like her 80s because she's since passed away. She either researched, reported on, or was part of Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how many... Um, witness uh accounts they receive and it's like a couple dozen per month from pilots Pilots. yeah military personnel etc which is an astounding number it is but a couple dozen per month yeah and it's one of those things where you are afraid to get ridiculed or whoever you tell is going to be like just keep quiet about this we don't want to talk about this right but that's a lot until now that's a huge yeah until now but that's a huge number yeah it's cool that she was that they interviewed her and she said that Mm mm-hmm you know, 
In December 2017, the United States Department of Defense confirmed the existence of a defense program used to collect data on military UFO sightings, despite the disbandment of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program in 2012. I wish they used better acronyms. <laughs> the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or UAPTF, is a program within the United States Office of Naval Intelligence used to, quote, standardize collection and reporting of sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP, sometimes called UFOs. And I totally get why they're going with UAP now. UFO has such a yes. stigma tied to it. Totally. UFO sounds crazy. Yep. Unidentified aerial phenomena sounds better. Yeah. You know, but UFO used to be the term for Ooh. what you saw and now yep. it's aliens you know the program was officially approved on august 4th 2020 by the deputy secretary of defense david norquist and announced on august 14th 2020 the mission of the task force is to detect analyze and catalog uaps that could potentially pose a threat to u.s national security on june 25th 2021 the preliminary assessment was delivered the program was detailed in a june 2020 hearing of the United States Senate Collect Committee on Intelligence. Like its predecessor program, the UAP Task Force is managed by the Undersecretary of Defense. All right, now here's here's something that a lot of people are like, why? Like its predecessor program, the UAP Task Force is managed by the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence in collaboration with the Office of Naval Intelligence. And everybody is like, why is this not an Air Force thing? Oh. This is like it's it's always the Navy. Why is you know what I mean? Like you would think that it's on it's something in the sky. You would think it would be part yeah, of the Air Force investigations, the, but it's constantly Navy investigations. But isn't it the Navy that has the um, aircraft carriers that are out in the middle yeah. of? Yeah. And so I feel like that a lot of these are happening over yeah. water. So yeah. it actually but does make sense. A lot of the podcasts I listened to, like I was researching this, all are like, "Why is the Navy involved in most of this and not the Air Force?" Which mm -hmm. makes sense because you would think that it would be like an Air Force thing, but it's always the Navy, which I think is interesting. On June 25th, 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report on UAPs, commonly known as the Pentagon UFO report. The report found that the UAPTF. Why couldn't they be like? Shining or some some cool name that instead of <laughs> that you UAP, can actually make a word yeah. out of it. The report found that the UAPTF was una unable to identify 144 objects spotted between 2004 and 2021. The report said that 18 of these featured unusual movement patterns or flight characteristics, and that more analysis was needed to determine if these sightings represented breakthrough technology. The report did not link the sightings to extraterrestrial life, with officials saying, quote, We have no clear indications that there is any non-terrestrial explanation for them, but we will go wherever the data takes us. So then Congress rewrote the charter for the UAPTF, which is now called the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group, or AOIMSG for short. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's the group now is the <laughs> AOIMSG. A -A so that's the group that's looking into the uap stuff jeez. Oh, so yeah i mean it's just i don't know like i'm not as impressed with the camera footage as i am with hearing the pilots yeah, talk the about their, to it. their reactions to it mm -hmm. and what happened when they tried getting close to one of them although i think the footage is impressive because like astrophysicists have watched it and they're like i can't explain how this is maneuvering yeah, the way they it said is that it's a, not like possible a human on that would, would die the in g forces it. Yeah, like or g whatever force would kill them would just kill you so and then, we don't have the technology to for a craft to move that way no and that that leads to the question are these things drones from some other 
you know, like Tom DeLonge says, these are almost inter, and I totally think that they are interdimensional. I, I do think there's life on other planets. I just don't think that there's any reality of any sort of contact between our planets and their planets because of the distance. And I, I think that UFOs don't come from do other you planets. Think, do you think that interdimensional, interdimensional travel could be a way that you could Possibly. get from this planet to Possibly. a planet that's thousands of light years away? Possibly. But I think the more likely explanation is just interdimensional, that it's just something that exists like on a dimension sideways from ours that rather than from a planet far away. I just have a hard time for... Uh, uh, Tom DeLong said, and I keep going back to him, but he said that like the Area 51 stuff, like the, a lot of that stuff was disinformation to make people think that these crafts were from other planets when they're not. They're from mm-hmm. something closer. I just think that with the technology, though, and the way these things are moving, they can clearly move faster than anything but we could imagine. come from a distant planet, that's a lot. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. It is. I think it's it is. It's very possible. I just don't think that whatever these things are from another planet. I think they're from something else entirely. Hmm. And then we get to the most recent thing, which was congressional hearings, mm. which was a huge thing. I mean, that was like the first time there's ever been televised congressional hearings about UFOs. And that happened on Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. There was a congressional hearing on UFOs, and this was huge. A May 21st, 2022 article on KFOR.com called, quote, Five Things to Know About the Congressional UFO Hearing says, quote, a House Intelligence Subcommittee on Tuesday held the first congressional hearing on UFOs in more than 50 years. Testimony was heard from Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security Ronald Moultrie and Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence Scott Bray, who are overseeing the Pentagon's new task force investigating what are now being called Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAPs. Here are five highlights from the hearing. Number one, Pentagon wants to destigmatize UAP reporting, which is huge. Yeah. Representative Andre Carson, the chairman of the House Counterterrorism, Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, <laughs> and Counterproliferation Subcommittee, began the meeting with a call to destigmatize UAP reporting for pilots and other military officials. Carson said that the stigma around UAP reporting has, quote, gotten in the way of good intelligence reporting. Mm-hmm. Pilots avoided reporting or were laughed at when they did, he said. Officials regulated the issue to the back room or swept it under the rug entirely, fearful of a skeptical national security community. Bray responded that the Pentagon was working to destigmatize UAP reporting and was, in fact, actively encouraging it now. Quote, we also spent considerable efforts engaging directly with our naval aviators to help destigmatize the act of reporting sites and encounters, he said. The direct results of those efforts have been increased reporting. The message is now clear. If you see something, you need to report it. If you see something, say something. Yeah, so it's it's cool that they're trying to destigmatize the idea that, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw something, where t- 20 years ago, you would have just kept quiet or just told a couple people. Right, because even they now... they would have thought you were nuts. Even now, think of all the people who haven't come forward. Oh, yeah. In the military, yeah. even. Yeah, there's probably tons from like the 70s, 80s, oh, 90s sure. that just saw stuff and just didn't say anything. Or people who aren't even around anymore to say something. Yeah. Number two, the UAP database now has logged around 400 encounters. Dang. On Tuesday, Bray said that the number of reported UAP encounters has since climbed to around 400. But some of these encounters were historical or anecdotal, and Bray said he expects the number to drop over time. The Pentagon on Tuesday declassified a video clip of one unexplained UAP encounter, which shows a pilot at a U.S. Navy training base encountering a strange spherical object zipping by at an extremely high speed. Intelligence officials also released one image of a debunked UAP encounter involving strange glowing triangles in the sky. 
An investigation revealed that the triangles were actually unmanned drones, according to Bray. So there are people seeing drones yeah, as as UFOs. It's when they start doing things yeah, that, that they shouldn't be able to do. Physics that defy physics. But like the like the guy said earlier, if if the drones are government and the government knows that this ship is running, te- you know, like doing flight tests and stuff, they're you're they're not, not going to fly def- in that yeah, airspace. Yeah, they're not just going to have them fly right. between the planes. Since the early 2000s, we have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or identified aircraft or objects in military-controlled training areas and training ranges, and other designated airspace reports of sightings are frequent and continuing, Bray told members of Congress. Number three, lawmakers said that UAPs are a national security threat. Representative Rick Crawford also warned of potentially dangerous implications for Americans, especially if any of the UAPs were a, quote, technical surprise from foreign nations. Mm. The intelligence community has a serious duty to our taxpayers to prevent potential adversaries such as China and Russia from surprising us with unforeseen technologies, Crawford said. Number four, top intelligence officials discussed efforts to combat UAP misinformation. Moultrie discussed how the UAP task force would work to dispel false information around aerial phenomena while authenticating valid encounters. The Pentagon's top intelligence officials said organizations, civilians, or even other countries can spread or promote false images or encounters. He called any intentional red herrings harmful to the task force investigation. Moultrie says, quote, anything that diverts us off with what we have sends us on chases and hunts that are just not helpful. They also contribute to the undermining of the confidence of Congress and the American people. And number five, the Pentagon plans to be more transparent with declassifying information. Carson pressed both Bray and Moultrie repeatedly on whether they would seek to be more transparent with the public than the Pentagon has been in the past, citing previously programs that he noted were still shrouded in secrecy. Both Bray and Moultrie said they were committed to being as transparent as possible, explaining that they would declassify information when it does not pose a national security risk and if it's under their purview to do so. Moultrie said in the past three or four months, the Pentagon has, quote, disclosed more information on various events than it has in the previous 10 years. And I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they used to be hush, quiet hush. about that, mm-hmm. hush hush about that, and now they're releasing a lot of stuff about UAPs. You have our commitment to work closely with the Director of National Intelligence, he says, to make sure we can get whatever information we can out to the American people. And from a NextGov.com article from May of 2022 called, quote, What We Learned from Congress's First Open UFO Hearing, Carson, chair of the House Intelligence Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation Subcommittee, presided over the first open hearings on UFOs in more than 50 years. He says, quote, Today we know better. UAPs are unexplained. It's true, but they are real. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat, and they need to be treated that way. Yet, exchanges between Bray and Representative Adam Schiff of California raised some eyebrows. Schiff asked Bray about the report's description of 18 UAP incidents that, quote, appeared to exhibit advanced technology. Schiff said, quote, Some appeared to remain stationary without any means of propulsion. That's pretty intriguing. Are we aware of any adversary that can move objects without discernible means of propulsion? Bray responded, stating that the government is, quote, not aware of any adversary that can move objects without a discernible means of propulsion. However, he qualified his response by suggesting that, quote, in some cases, sensor artifacts might be hiding that. If not developed by ETs, the response at least suggests intelligence gaps in what the U.S. government knows about locomotive technologies developed by other nations. Bray says, quote, I can simply say there are a number of events that we do not have an explanation for. We can't explain them with any data we have. 
Bray said that there have been 11 near misses, but no collisions between U.S. aircraft and UAPs. In the exchange, Bray said that the U.S. government has not attempted communication with any UAPs, nor have any UAPs appeared to have attempted communications with U.S. aircraft. Bray also says that U.S. aircraft have not discharged armaments or fired weapons at UAPs, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Because God knows what's going to happen. Let's not engage Yeah, God knows what's going to happen if you start shooting at these things. Mm Mm-hmm. However, when asked whether or not the UAP task force has investigated potential wreckage, quote, consistent with being non-terrestrial, Moultrie asked to discuss that question in closed session rather than open session, Mm. which is interesting. Mm -hmm. They're not ready to release at all. No. And then from a Space.com article from May 18th called, quote, What's Next for UFO Studies After Landmark Congressional Hearing? It says, In 2017, it was revealed for the first time that the U.S. Department of Defense had quietly restarted a similar organization tracking what we now call UAP rather than UFOs. And last year, he added, Congress rewrote the charter for the organization, which is now called the AIOMSG. That's such a mouthful. (laughs) Carson said on Tuesday, quote, Today we'll bring that organization out of the shadows. This hearing and our oversight work has a simple idea at its core. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat and they need to be treated that way. Robert Schaefer says, quote, I didn't expect much from these hearings and I was not disappointed. <laughs> he is a leading skeptical <laughs> investigator of UFOs. He says, quote, It was long on posturing and promises, but very short on specifics. Schaefer also spotlighted another video from the hearing that showed triangle-shaped objects as seen through a night vision device. He says, quote, It is reassuring that they seem to understand that the objects themselves were not necessarily triangle-shaped. This is just an artifact of the camera system, he said. But it was shown conclusively over a year ago that the unknown objects match up perfectly with the planet Jupiter and the stars of Scorpius. So these experts obviously know less about these military videos than the civilian analysts do. Dang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The hearing provided a new pretext for spending taxpayer money on a wild goose chase, he said. We need more sensors, we need more databases, we need more staff, and since the goose will forever escape us, the investigative gravy train will have a long run. Dang, he is cynical. Robert Powell, executive board member of the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, gave a mixed review of the hearing. He says, quote, It was a step forward in that Moultrie and Bray committed to make public as much information as possible on the subject of UAPs, and they do seem committed to trying to resolve the enigma. At the same time, it was disappointing that they had a lack of historical understanding of the phenomena, saying, quote, they were unaware of incursions over U.S. nuclear facilities, which can be traced back to 1947. Powell also suggested that the U.S. Navy outfit some of its vehicles with equipment such as spectral analyzers and wide-band electromagnetic detection systems, to be prepared to properly measure emissions from any UAP that they might come across. He says, quote, There's so much that could be done if we take a proactive stance with UAP rather than depend on the happenstance of a pilot or group coming across one of these objects. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, there's much that I would like to see accomplished. Sarah Scholes. In other words, they should be looking for them instead of just, instead of just waiting. To yeah, them. instead of waiting to find them. Mm-hmm. Sarah Scholes, author of, quote, They Are Here Already, UFO Culture and Why We See Saucers, said, quote, I'd say that anytime there's an opportunity to make an issue of potential national security concerns more transparent and programs related to it more accountable, that it's in the public interest. I would note, though, that it's not the subcommittee on alien visitation that's discussing the issues. So she's saying that it's not about aliens. It's mm-hmm. about what these are, not, you know, like... There's always the underlying misconception that these are aliens. Sure. You know. 
Moultrie says, we want to know what's out there as much as you want to know what's out there. Finding what's out there is important, but first and foremost, it's important for us to do that so that we can ensure that our people, our personnel, our aviators, our base, and our installations are safe. I mean, do you think they're kind of approaching this from the stance that this is AI? I possibly. As opposed to being piloted by some yeah, sort of Yeah, because I, I, feel, I feel like that is their their idea is that there's not a pilot there's not a pilot it's mm-hmm. more of a drone or like an ai controlled mm-hmm. drone like if if we had the ability to go to like a different planet we would first send drones you know sure we would not go ourselves mm-hmm. so that that's what these seem like are like drones possibly ai you know but there's a lot of like this is where you get into the consciousness stuff and how these things are are piloted how these things maneuver and a lot Mm -hmm. of that you come into like quantum physics and because they're not exhibiting any sort of of movement that we can currently do so there's you know whether or not it's uh anti-gravity whether or not it's some kind of electromagnetic propulsion system like something there's something is making these things fly in a way that they should not be able to fly Mm -hmm. And one other thing I want to touch on is something called the Wilson Memo. And I had never heard of this before. And this is interesting. This is a rabbit hole someone can go down. But I saw one of the comments uh, on a a post about the Wilson Memo. Somebody said, quote, I wish this document was as popular as Bob Lazar. This is what we need to focus more on. This is the most important leak in ufology. And basically what the Wilson Memo is... Essentially, some researchers were trying to find a special access program that dealt with crashed or retrieved UFOs. They discussed with Admiral Wilson, who as deputy director of the DIA, was supposed to have oversight over all SAPs. He did a search, ended up finding the program, and was denied access, and his career was threatened if he continued pursuing it. He also confirmed the existence of MJ-12. MJ-12 is the group, you know, like the shadowy group that Mm -hmm. deals with UFOs. So this memo shows that a private defense contractor had a crashed UFO that it had been working to reverse engineer, and it shows that certain deep, unacknowledged programs that are entirely outside of the government, let alone congressional oversight, were looking into this. Finally, it was easy to miss on the first page of notes that Wilson said that in a search he had confirmed the existence of the MJ-12 group that supposedly oversees all crash retrieval programs. The Wilson-Davis memo is also an important document that folks researching the UAP slash UFO topic should be familiar with. The document is a memorandum that Eric Davis typed up describing his meeting with Admiral Tom Wilson in 2002 when he was looking into the possible existence of crashed or retrieved vehicles. This document is alleged to have leaked from Edgar Mitchell's estate after he passed away in 2018. Uh, Edgar Mitchell was one of the astronauts that was very much that, no, these things are real, mm-hmm. like these aliens exist. Admiral Wilson denies that he ever met Eric Davis or provided him with the information in the memo. He does acknowledge having met with Will Miller at the time that meeting is said to have occurred, though. Eric Davis, for his part, has stated publicly on multiple occasions that he will not confirm the authenticity of the memo, citing his security clearance, but he has also never denied its authenticity. Mm-hmm. So this memo, I downloaded it as a PDF. Like It's, it's just talking about how he, there's a memo, like this meeting between these two guys, and they're talking about this group that they have do have crashed UFO wreckage that they're working on reverse engineering. So a lot of people say that this Wilson memo is like a huge thing that a lot of people don't really know about. But then there's other people that say, 
it doesn't make sense that somebody transcribed this meeting between these two people, mm-hmm. you know, because this is like super top secret mm-hmm. and they're supposedly driving in the car and somebody's transcribing. So there's a lot of stuff that some people say that this is fake and there's some people mm-hmm. say that it's real. But the Wilson memo is is a big one that comes up a lot lately with, with stuff pointing to the fact that UFOs exist and have crashed and that we are trying to reverse engineer stuff from them. So I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't... I, I do... Do you think that we have retrieved wreckage from a UFO and have used it to further technology? So on that show, yeah. they they discuss all of this, yeah. and there are people that they that he speaks to who are like former military, whatever, who say yes, one hundred percent, this is happening. Yeah. It has happened. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm inclined to believe that if there have been this many sightings for how long, it's absolutely plausible to me that some of these crafts have crashed and that we've recovered the wreckage. Yeah. And do you think and reverse were... engineering is how we've come up with a lot of our technology Transistors today. Transistors and all that stuff. But yes. I think if that, if that is how it happened, I think it's a very time intensive procedure where you make sure. one little breakthrough like every 10 years. You're like, yeah, oh, that's what this does. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, that's what this does. And that interview with Tom DeLong, he was saying how it was interesting like people that were born in like 1890 and lived to like 1990 the um, that they went from like you, Can you know, imagine that what they you've went from seen? like gaslight lanterns and all that stuff to you know he said like led zeppelin like like mtv and all that like the amount mm-hmm. of stuff that has changed it's and insane. he says yeah some of that is that we got better and smarter with stuff but some of that shows that there was some kind of technological jump that should not have been possible mm-hmm you know, like I always say, if I could go back and show my 18-year-old self my iPhone. No kidding, I, I right? would be like amazed and think it's yeah. magic because it's, yeah. it's just like the stuff it does. It's incredible. And it's just happened so gradually that we take it for granted that we can do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But to like young Kurt, this would be like the most amazing thing in this the world. This is alien technology. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do believe that it's happened and it's happening for yeah. sure. So my last couple things... I thought this was interesting. From a Space.com article on April 19th, 2022, a radio signal designed to bring Earth's climate crisis to the attention of alien life will be beamed to the Trappist-1 planetary system this October. The message has been devised by METI International, a group of scientists, sociologists, historians, anthropologists, and artists who have come together with a common belief that humanity would benefit from beaming messages to the stars rather than just waiting to receive a message from aliens. The great challenge of interstellar communication is to establish a common ground for understanding, Douglas Vakic, president of METI International, said. To tackle this, the message will begin with a periodic table of elements. Since the chemical elements are universal, any scientifically knowledgeable alien should recognize the periodic table. That content would create common ground for the message to then describe some of the environmental challenges we are facing here on Earth. If one is to send a message, the Trappist-1 system is a good choice since it is home to seven rocky worlds orbiting a red dwarf star. Several of the system's planets may be habitable, with planet E being the most promising to support life as we know it. The Trappist-1 system is 39 light years away, so if anyone there does detect our message, we should not expect a reply for at least 78 years. However, the likelihood is that technologically advanced alien life will be far older than we humans since the universe is 13.8 billion years old and we are just newcomers on the scene. So I thought it's interesting they're sending this message out to aliens saying our environment is a mess. Help. Help. (laughs) You know, (laughs) 
Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. But it, it's interesting to me that they're doing this, that they're sending a message out to the aliens about what an environmental mess we are. And, well, and you know, I wonder if maybe there is an increased frequen- frequency of these visitations or whatever because they know we're totally destroying our planet yeah and if they want to harvest any of our resources they better do it now because we're slowly just destroying it all yep yeah (laughs) i get i totally get that it's just it's just i don't know like would they care i think they want the resources if that is if that theory is true Maybe we have resources here they don't have access to. Like if I was on my walk in the woods and an ant came up to me and tapped me on the shoe and is like, hey, our sand hail over here isn't doing so good. I don't think it's a a concern for us. I think it's they want and need something we have. And before we destroy it, they want to come get it and take it back to their place. Otherwise, they won't have access to it anymore. It has nothing to do with concern for our planet. I do think it has to do with concern for... I think that's why they're sending this signal out, is to be like, we need help. No, 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 no. The aliens wouldn't give a crap about our planet. They just they might. strip I mean, it up you its don't, resources. You don't know. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're beneficial. You know, Maybe know. they see a struggling civilization. They're, maybe they're so advanced. They see like a struggling... You're like, these guys are idiots. Let's just help them out a little bit. You know, Maybe. dummies. It's possible. Maybe. Or they could come and just destroy us and take whatever they want. Exactly. Like you're Although saying. there are a lot of people who think that they've always been here. Oh, yeah. 100%. That they're not actually extraterrestrials. No. And uh, that's another thing I agree with. Mm-hmm. And I just want to end with this from an April 29th, 2020 article on wearethemighty.com called, quote, Interview with unidentified inside America's UFO investigation, former special agent Luis Elizondo. He is asked if he thinks that these things are a threat, these Tic Tacs and whatnot are a threat. He says, quote, do I think that they're a threat? Let me give you a very succinct analogy. Let's say at night you go to lock your front door. You don't expect any problems, but you lock it anyway just to be extra safe. You lock your windows, you turn on your alarm system, and you go to bed. You do this every day, and let's say one morning after you wake up, you walk downstairs and you find muddy footprints in your living room. Nothing has been taken. No one is hurt. But despite you locking the front doors, the windows, and turning on the alarm system, there are footprints in your living room. The question then is, is that a threat? I don't know, but it could be if it wanted to be. For that reason, it's imperative from a national security perspective that we better understand what it is that we are seeing. To me, a threat is a threat until I know something is not a threat. In the Department of Defense, we have to assume it's a threat. Keep in mind that if a Russian or Chinese aircraft entered our airspace, the first thing that we would do would be to scramble F-22s and go intercept it, and it would be front-page news on CNN. These things, however, because they don't have tail numbers, they don't have insignia on their wings or tails, they don't even have wings or tails. To me, that's a greater threat than the threat itself because we can't figure out what it is. We can't allow ourselves to talk about it despite the mounting evidence that it is there. Mm-hmm. I love that analogy. Yeah, actually. I do too. I do too, because you, yeah, it's like, obviously something's getting into my living room and if it wanted to hurt me, it could. And that's what's going on with these Tic Tac, Mm -hmm. these crafts. They're not hurting us now, but obviously if they wanted to, they could. And that's what we need. That's why we need to figure out what these things are. Right. If that technology exists for them to move in a way that's not possible, what other technology do they have and what is it capable of? Yeah. And like vaporizing this no, entire planet. No, but he is saying that every, it's a threat until it's proven to not be yeah, a threat. I and I feel like it's not a threat because it hasn't done anything threatening yet. Yeah. But <laughs> it could. That we know of, though. I mean, think of all the people who have... Think of all the abduction stories. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, hundred yeah, hundred percent. We're not taking any of that into consideration no. in this conversation. But that, you know? that's what I have. So basically, what do you think about all this? I mean, do you think this is do you think this is disclosure? I think it's like you said, the beginning of disclosure. One of the podcasts I listened to, I wish I could remember the name of what it was now because it was a good podcast, and they, the host. Yes, uh, your microphone has been you. on this whole time. <laughs> I'm always so. I'm always so Obsessive compulsive about my microphone. It was a, a, a guy and a girl host, and and they went on a pretty good talk about what they think the ramifications of flat out disclosure would be. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Do you think people right now? I feel like humanity is so self absorbed." He says that there's some people that just wouldn't care. They would just be like, "Oh, whatever," and just go on with their. They just want to live their daily lives, work, and then go home, and then go to work, and then go home. And there's other people that would freak out because it's a religious thing sure. that we're not God's only mm-hmm. favorite children mm-hmm. because there's other planets or other creatures mm-hmm. you know so I don't know what I think full disclosure would be like if, if if CNN or whatever came on today had a video a clear video of somebody meeting with an alien and the alien being hey it's me I've <laughs> right. been here forever mm-hmm. what would the ramifications of that be do you think society would implode or do you think people would just wouldn't care I think I don't know. I think that um, there'd be panic and mass hysteria maybe, but I think it comes down to we would realize that our government cannot control everything and does not control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they want us to believe that, oh, we've got this all under control. You know what I mean? So we're only releasing the small amount. I think there's, this is just scratching the surface of probably what they know. And if they did do a full disclosure, I think we would realize that they can't protect us. They can't control what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it would lead, like, lead to a massive, not distrust, but a massive... Well, there's already a massive distrust of, of the our government. government. Now. Yeah. That's one of the things Tom DeLonge says in his stuff, too, is he says the government is not... He says people are like looking at these shadowy organizations and the government... He said the government is not bad. The government is doing things behind the scenes, but he says but what you don't realize is that these things are... He said he can't go into any of it, but he said these things are way more beneficial than you realize. He mm-hmm. said the government is not out to get you. The government is not as shadowy far as, and secretive. As far as you APs are concerned, maybe, but they're yeah. pretty shady and yeah. as far as but other things just, are concerned. Like, I don't know. I Part of me feels like right now, the way the world is, the way people are, everybody would be like, eh. Like, I, I feel like people wouldn't care. Mm. You know, but but I feel like this is... A slow rollout of disclosure. Yeah, that, yeah this these is just things, the I mean, this is basically the Pentagon saying, "Yeah, we don't know what these craft are." Mm-hmm. You know, so this is and the they didn't start. really have a choice because it was leaked, and so yeah. I think they had to say, "Okay, we better, we better fess up." Yeah, but then, like to the stars, like in the the podcast, I keep going to Tom DeLonge, and I don't mean to because this isn't just about him. But in the podcast, right. he talks about how this was back in 2018. This podcast, and he said there will be in the next years things happening so it almost seems like to the stars release these videos as part of the beginning of disclosure Mm -hmm. and maybe two years from now there'll be like a video that shows a creature you know it'll be and it'll be like oh what's this thing and then it'll be like a slow rollout of yeah these things exist this is a creature we don't know what this is i mean we've right now they're showing us the craft that we don't know what it is right next next step will be showing us some creature that we don't know what they're easing us into it and we've heard for years uh accounts from people even military people of seeing aliens yeah so at, at like area 51 or other places you know what i mean so it's not like those things haven't been talked about 
Yeah. It's just the government hasn't admitted to those no, things yet. No, and now we'll be admitting to those things. Yeah. But people for that have believed for years are, aren't going to be shocked by the... No. It's just people that... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about disclosure. I really don't. I don't know. It scares me. It's hard to predict. It, do, it is hard to predict. And that's what scares me is that I can't say, oh, we're not going to care or we're going to just kill ourselves because we don't we're not gonna know how to deal with it so i don't know i think I feel it would like be more they... around the government i think the government is afraid to release it because of how the public will react to yeah, them yeah totally well yeah I, I agree with that you know like i don't have hatred of the government keeping secrets from us i don't like the way i look at it and i've always thought this and i have never said this out loud before but the way i look at it the government to me is like the dad when his his son takes the training wheels off the bike mm. for the first time and the kid's going and he's like, look, I can do it. I, I can do it. And the dad is like, see, you can do it. You don't need me to be around you to watch out for you anymore. But the dad still does watch out for him. He's and running feel, alongside of him. Yes. And I case. feel like that's the government's thing is the government like, no, you guys are good. But the government is also like the dad that has to like monitor us. That's how I feel. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I just wish I believed that. Okay. <laughs> You're more cynical about the government 100%, than I am. 100%. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that the government doesn't do shady stuff. Yeah. But I feel like, I do feel like this is the beginning of disclosure. I really do. Like this is yeah. the beginning sure. of. I think I, my whole point about the government is just a lot of recent events have shown us they don't really have our best interests at, at heart. They don't. It's all about. Who controls the government? Who is funding things? Whose interests are they trying to um, push? And yeah, it's I'm not, not saying ours. that the government are 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 100% good, but I'm, right. I'm you know like when we get I'm gonna we're gonna do this in the next I'm hopefully hopefully this season we're gonna talk about MK Ultra, but MK Ultra gets into some sketchy stuff that the government yeah. did. I think the military is one thing. Yeah. I I support our military. Yeah. I, these people are literally risking yeah. their lives for us. And even these secretive, like, experimental things. This is not... I'm not talking about that government. You're talking... I'm yeah. talking about, like, you Milita know... Yeah, like... Not military. Yeah. I'm talking about the people who are making decisions about our day-to-day -day lives that yeah. they shouldn't be making decisions I don't know. Part, part of me feels like... I don't know. I'm not as cynical about the government, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, they do shady stuff. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and But I feel like it's not as bad as we think it is. I don't know. That's just the way I look or at it. Or it could be way worse. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the way. <laughs> we just don't really know. That's the way. I, I, I just feel, like, I feel like listeners are looking at me, listening to me say that and just shaking their heads. They're like, yeah. no, poor naive. I'd Kurt. like to wear your rose-colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of having rose-colored glasses. <laughs> but I do think that by... I feel like this is a slow rollout of disclosure and I feel yes. like by 2025, I feel like there's going to be a, a lot more. Mm -hmm. I feel like if we're still doing this podcast three years from now, we're going to have a lot more to talk about with oh, this. Oh, heck yeah. I totally am on board with all of that. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. There is the recent state Woo! of UFOs. That's a lot. <laughs> or UAPs as they're Sorry, now called. Because UFO is way too woo-woo. Mm -hmm. Which it is. Because as soon as you say UFO, you think of an alien coming out mm -hmm. of a craft. Yep. UAPs are different. But these Tic Tac videos, they're not... Uh, I don't, I hate this, this this argument that they're camera 
glitch no, me because yeah. when you have people visibly seeing the water like churning below where this craft is and these people are experts on their own equipment and yeah. they look at this stuff every single day yeah. and when you have people physically seeing an object fly between the, the, right. the plane it's not just a camera some right. of it might be camera glitches when you have multiple um types of equipment that are picking it up it's not a camera glare yeah. i'm sorry exactly so there you go there is some uap talk yeah Dang. Mine is kind of fried. And again, I'm going to post that Tom DeLong interview because like, I'm really amazed at To The Stars and what they've kind of accomplished since they started this. But then it's also still kind of weird because when you go to the To The Stars website, it's more of almost like a media thing about his mm. angels and airwaves and his books and his movies. But I would love, like Tom DeLong is on my list of people I want to have a long lunch with because I mm. really like to talk to him about this and about Blink-182 and angels and airwaves because I like <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. And again, I just Googled it to make sure I'm saying the right name, but it is UFO Witness. And no matter how you feel about these shows, I want to say it's Travel Channel, but I'll look that up. I mean, it's, you know, it's a TV show, of course, but it really does talk about all of these things we're talking about. It's on. uh, Hold on, I'll go to that. I would. I just recommend it if you want visuals to go with some of this stuff. Or I want to watch this. I kind of want to watch this. It's, I think it's good. I watch it on Discovery Plus. If you have Discovery Plus, it's on there too. Um, hold on. Now I have to look and see what channel it's on. Former FBI agent Ben Hansen travels to U.S. locations where extraterrestrial encounters took place to uncover secrets on UFO, alien life forms, and alien technology. Tell me what channel it's on. Is, apparently, you can watch it on Prime Video too. I don't know. I haven't if looked at it. If it's on Amazon Prime, I'll have well, to look for it. Well, you keep. Did you finish Because I can't you, find it. Are you caught up with Strange? Uh, Stranger, Stranger Things? Yeah. I just watched episode four, oh. which is what that song is on Running Up the Hill, Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush. But what context was it used in? Uh. She was running away from okay. the monster. That is, like I said, I'm not, I haven't been, I haven't watched the last season or this season, but I know who everybody is. And I, I've, I've watched countless times the scene where she's running away from that guy and where she's levitating in the air. Yep. And I think that is one That's of, what I saw. That is one of the best scenes I think I've seen from a movie or a TV show in recent years. That, yeah, it's that really is good. Such a well done scene. That should that that scene alone should win tons of awards. It's Travel Channel, is what UFO Witness. Okay. so I'll it's funny because I that's all I've watched so far is through episode four, and I just recently saw a headline that said people were really disappointed in like the finale and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll find out when I get there. But so far, I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting rid of Prime and going to Netflix. I love Netflix. Maybe I will do. I that. really do. But yeah, that's what I got. So cool. UAPs, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about the Tic Tac videos? What do you guys think about the congressional hearing, the congressional hearings, which was amazing that they even did that? And Any former military listeners who have yeah. some insight you'd like to share? Let us know. We'll keep it secret. Yep, you can yep. call our phone line. Yeah, anonymously. So we're going to jump quickly into my song choices for this. If you want to find a, I don't know, we'll do the joke last. Okay. Uh, song, my song choices. This first one kind of has a story with it. Um, several episodes ago, maybe last season, I did a song by a band called Pollen that were from Arizona that like nobody knows about. And I love, this was like my band. Like I've, I've talked with the, the band members and stuff on Facebook and they were like, kind of like a, 
Jimmy E. World kind of pop punkish kind of band from I think late 1990s early 2000s that disbanded but they're like my band like I love this band it's like my unknown band that nobody knows but I just love and around 2000 no around 1998-1999 they came out with a split CD which is half of their songs and then half of another band songs like they're covering the other band, no. or the other band was part of. The... It's just, it's okay. just like a, uh, it's like the podcast festival. Oh, okay. basically, it's a CD where there's like six new songs by Pollen or unreleased songs by Pollen, and then there's six songs by a t- totally different band. Okay. They do that so that this other band will get recognition and sure. other people will hear them. And I've I have a bunch of split CDs at home that like the other band just isn't my cup of tea. Like mm-hmm. I love the band that I like that I bought the CD for, but the other band is like, uh. So this split CD that Pollen came out with was with a band called Coed. And I was like, I'm probably not going to like this. And Coed was actually the first on the, the disc. So I put it in and it started and it was a girl singing, a female singer. And I'm like, I like this. And then as the songs went on, I'm like, I really like this. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but the singer whose name is Kathy, it's C-A-G-I-G-A-S. I think it's Kahigas. Okay. Kathy Kahigas, like, I feel like we all have, like, an audio G-spot where somebody's frequency or somebody's voice just nails that Mm G-spot that you just, like, love this voice. And Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about Kathy Kahigas' voice. Like, I adore her voice. And they released, like, one official CD after this. And there's like nothing about them online. You can find hmm. nothing. There's like one black and white picture. And I was like obsessed with this co-ed band. And like maybe f- five, six, seven, eight years later, after I heard it for the first time, I found out that somebody on YouTube has a video of them in concert doing one of their songs from Japan. Hmm. And I had a voice crush on the singer. And then when I saw the video, it was a full-on crush. (laughs) She is so pretty. Like, I just adore Kathy Cahigas. And there's, like, nothing about her. So I'm kind of obsessed with her in a non-stalkerish sort of way. Like, I want to know... Because she's impossible to stalk, Because she's impossible to find. (laughs) You know, so, like, I love her. I listen to their music a lot. And then it's weird that, like, when I decided last week, two weeks ago, that I wanted to do one of their songs for my song choice... I just did a search on them and they just came out with a CD that I think is unreleased stuff. Mm. And it came out like two years ago and I never knew about it. Mm. And I'm like, now there's gotta be, they gotta have a Facebook page. Nothing. I can't find a damn thing about this band. Mm. And I love her voice. I really love the band. You would think they'd have an online presence that they want to actually, you know. So then I was looking at their, one of their songs on YouTube and I happen to look at the comments and one of the, there's like not a lot of comments because nobody knows this band, but one person on there wrote, I love Kathy Kahigas's voice. I love her singing. And I'm like, I wonder whatever happened to her. And then somebody commented on it and said, she's my cousin. Oh. And then I wrote and I said, could you please do me a favor and just tell her from our, us co-ed fans that we're happy she's doing good. I, apparently she's a teacher now, mm. but I just said, could you let her know that we, think she's awesome and we're happy she's doing good and her cousin said yeah i'll totally tell her she'll be she'd love to hear that Mm -hmm. so it's cool because i just love this this girl i love this singer i just do and so are you gonna be able to post a video 
Just one of their songs. Okay. I'm just going to post one of their songs. And it's the first song on the CD. It's a song called Going, Going, Gone. Okay. And that was the first one that I put in, not expecting much. And I'm like, I really like this. It's just like a rocky pop punk kind of song but it's got like a in the middle there's like a piano solo that comes out of nowhere hmm. and it's just a, I really like the song but I just love her voice I don't know what it is but it is the song Going Going Gone by the band Coed fronted by Kathy Cahigas who I just love and want to know that she's out there and that she's doing okay so that's my first song Going Going Gone by the band Coed and my second song is a song that I stumbled across a couple years ago and I have no idea how I did, but this is one of my go-to songs that is always on whenever I put like a flash drive of music to listen to when I'm driving. The song is always on there. And what's weird is that it's the song Daylight by the band Run Kid Run and they are a Christian band. And even though I'm not like religious, I have like a soft spot for Christian bands and Mm. I don't know what it is. Like I love Christian rock i really do and i have no idea what it is uh there's another band that i'll probably do in one of their songs coming up but they're a christian band and i absolutely love them and i've communicated with the singer like her and i have written over instagram and stuff like i just really love them and i love i don't know it's weird it's like i'm not religious but i really like christian rock bands so no, that's know. not weird but yeah but it's the song daylight by the band run kid run and it's just like a slower kind of song but I love this guy's voice. I love his voice too. And I love the video, the way the video is shot. But yeah, so I'll post those in the group. First song is Going, Going, Gone by Coed. Second song is Daylight by Run, Kid, Run. Cool. Those are my song picks. Do we have any questions? Oh, let's skip the question because we're running out of time. All right. Um, yeah, I have no idea where we left off. That's stupid. Doctor examining his patient... My heavens, you must be upset. There's a cucumber growing out of your head. Patient, of course I'm upset. I planted corn. (laughs) What the heck? I don't even understand. How do you pack 1,000 pickles into a small barrel? Very carefully. These are just so bad. Oh, and I think we've read these because the bookmark is in here. Oh my God, these are just dumb. Okay, we can do one question. Okay. From Anonymous, what is a topic you'd love to cover that you haven't, or what is a topic you'd love to expand on if you already have? Bigfoot. We only did one episode on it. We only it. did, but we bring, bring a Bigfoot a lot. Mine is the Bet Sphere, because mm. I want, I, I'm obsessed with the story about the Bet Sphere. Like, that is that is my Bigfoot. Like, Krista has Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. That is my Bigfoot, is the story of the Bet Sphere, because I, I think it's fascinating yeah. in so many ways. I would also like to talk more about, like, the Winchester House or the Stanley Hotel, like stuff like that. We don't, we've never really talked about Well, we've about talked about like the Stanley Hotel when we did Strange States, mm-hmm. but we didn't talk about it a we lot. We could do a whole episode on it probably. Yeah, but can we? I mean, there's not that much to talk about. Like Haunted Houses, I feel like there's not that much to talk about. Like Haunted Houses, I feel like are a mini mystery topic, not a full-fledged. I bet you could find a lot of stories of people who visited there and had experiences though. We do whole episodes on stuff like that. We do. Maybe I'll try doing a, uh, well, the Winchester house, I think you could, because like the whole history of the Winchesters is mm-hmm. interesting. So maybe we'll do a whole episode on the Winchester house because a lot of our listeners have been there, mm. but like the Stanley hotel, I don't know. I'll look, I'll look into it. I'll see. Cause I, I just feel like I have this mindset that that would be not enough to talk about for a whole mm-hmm. episode, but maybe we could I... also do like the Lizzie Borden house and yeah. that whole history. Yeah. And there's a lot of famous locations we've never talked about. Yeah. 
that oh. has a whole backstory too that you could the Lizzie go Borden into. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll maybe look into doing a whole episode about one of those. Yeah. But cool. Good question. And quickly, our deets, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. I've never been to our Twitter. Yeah, I have no I, idea what's going on. I don't on have our Twitter connected to Instagram anymore, so we haven't posted in For probably a couple of years. For all I know, there could be some years. government bigwig <laughs> wanting to like disclose stuff to us, and we're just not answering them. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to get into our Twitter at this can. point. <laughs> Krista does a great job on Instagram at The Strain Sessions. You can send us postcards and snail mail to The Strain Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And please call our lonely phone line at 920-443-9602 because I'm starting to get spam phone calls. To really? Are now. you? Yes. About my auto warranty. <laughs> so please call that number so I get something other than a scam. That's funny. And I think that is it. I feel fried so from this true. episode. I don't know yeah. what it was, but I mean, it was a lot of reading quotes, but I feel like like you had to read articles for this and you had to mm-hmm. really delve into what they were saying because this is an important topic. Yeah, I agree. But let us know what you guys think. Any last words? I don't think so. No. How ominous. No. (laughs) No, now we got to do our side session. Yeah. I'm excited to do that. I am too. I had a fun time researching this one, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like these kinds of, our our lists of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that is it. So so. I think Corey is going to join us next time. And I think we're going to do a couple mini mysteries. Don't know if it'll be just Corey and me, Corey, me, and Krista. Maybe just Corey. I will be here. I just will, may not Corey do a mini-mystery. might mini be mystery. the only one that shows up. Krista <laughs> might not even be here. But we'll see. <laughs> Lucy can sit in for me. <laughs> yeah, Corey, Corey and Lucy can do a, a oh, that'd be hilarious. episode. So from the Strange Cellar, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.